questions you always had. The answers you were never given. The place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. According to tonight's guest, the Jesuits are gruesome creatures who seek to make everyone in their own image. Physically ugly, odious, and demonic. Their aim is to create a world race of barbaric and subservient animals. Tonight, we'll discuss the book Romantic Depression, how the Jesuits designed, built, and destroyed America. We'll reveal how the nearly 500-year-old Society of Jesus, the Jesuits, have designed, built, and destroyed the United States of America. And using examples from all sectors of society, we'll detail the mechanisms used by the Jesuits to cleverly hide their efforts in plain sight while distracting Americans with endless forms of entertainment. Greetings, I'm your host, Mel Fabregas. And if you're new to the Veritas family, welcome home. To listen to tonight's full interview and all of our material, just click on the subscribe button. And don't forget to visit the Veritas store for MMS, hemp oil, pure organic sulfur, and much more. And if you want to get in touch with me, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button of our website at veritasradio.com. And to tell us more, tonight's special guest is William Dean Gardner. He was a scientist for 15 years in marine biology and neurobiology. U.S. Army Airborne Ranger, Overseas Security Specialist, Commercial Photographer, Military Aviation Photographer, and New York Times bestselling ghostwriter and editor of many books. His websites are all linked at VeritasRadio.com. And from somewhere around the world, I'd like to welcome William Dean Garner back to Veritas. Hello, Dean, and welcome back. How are you? Mel, thanks. Hey, I'm doing well. It's been a long time. It's been uh, over six years. So for the people who know you and the ones who don't know you, just give us a little summary of what just happened in the past six years, and then we'll dive into the new great book, Romantic Depression. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I think the last time we talked, I was in uh, Southern Africa somewhere, and where I, I had planned on going there and uh, just for a couple of months, but I wound up staying two years and had a wonderful time there, learned a lot, especially about how other people in different countries view America and the news that they hear as opposed to what Americans get here in, in, uh, in the U.S. So that, that was that was fascinating. And uh, in the ensuing years, I, I spent a lot of time in, in other countries and just listening to people. I, I just asked them, do you know what's really going on in the world and, and who runs it? And these people, a lot of them, and I say surprisingly, and I say that respectfully, surprisingly knew a lot about what I had studied, the Jesuits, and they articulated it so well that I, I thought, have you read a lot of books about this? And they say, no, they've just been keeping it up or keeping a, abreast of it over a lifetime. But you don't find that in America. And that kind of surprised me. So I... I've written a couple of books, actually several books, and I also took to heart something that some, someone had mentioned years ago. Okay, if you want us to study the Jesuits, then what books can we read? And so I, I rep actually reproduced from scratch about 10 books about the Jesuits, and we can talk about those uh, a little later. And they're on Amazon, along with my others that 
<clears throat> I edited for the 21st century and I just made new interior files, put new covers on them so people could actually understand what the Jesuits, what they are, who they are, how they work in general, and what they're doing here in America today. So in, in a nutshell, that's it. Just lots of traveling, a lot of listening to people and jotting down lots of notes. And I also took my advice that I gave on several different radio shows, yours included, years ago when someone asked, I think you, you did ask too, okay, so what can we do? And live a good, clean life is, is what I've been doing, enjoying it to the max and uh, meeting wonderful people, doing lots of new reading and, and working on personal projects. So again, in a nutshell, that's about it. Well, that's great. That's great because I was wondering what has happened, you know, in the past few years. So let me begin by asking a question that a lot of people always mention, almost jokingly. Do all roads lead to Rome? <laughs> as far as the human aspect of the control in, in America and across the planet, yes, they have. And I used to say, yeah, for the past couple of thousand years, but that's now in question. Because I, I've been studying lately via a friend of mine, Bruce, you know Bruce, about this possible insertion of a thousand or so years in the historical record. So uh, I'm going to be very careful in saying, okay, I say all roads lead to Rome. Yeah, probably for the past 900,000 years. Who knows what, what's, what lies beyond? And when you say what lies beyond, throughout the book, I noticed that you said the Jesuits are the controllers, but the extraterrestrials control the Jesuits. And I want to know, do you have factual information to substantiate that? No, I don't. No, that's hypothesis. And I, I've made a mistake in the past, and I apologize for this, in making it sound like that was just absolute fact. It, it resonates right down to my DNA. And when it does, I know it's fact. However, it's completely irresponsible to report it as such. That's fine. It resonates to many of us, too. I just wanted to see if you had any you know, tangible information that you could share, but that's fine. I, now, I've, I've, I've talked with people anecdotally over the years, and I have a lot of friends whose background and whose main focus of research is ET, the extraterrestrials, either among us or outside of us, off flat planet Earth, which is another great conversation. But I, I, I haven't read anything that I would regard as definitive proof. That's fine. Let me move on. I have some notes that I want to ask you later, but let, let me begin with this one. This Pope, Pope Francis, he's the only Jesuit ever to become Pope. Does this have any relevance, relevance to your research? Well, it's, it's not entirely accurate to say that he's the only Jesuit because all of religious figures are either Jesuits or Jesuit-controlled. So Pope Francis, what's interesting is that, and I'm glad you brought this up, the Jesuits over the past uh, six years or so have come out of the closet. And they're now, because they, they feel that they're probably in the nearing their end game. And so they're now admitting to the world that many of the things that have the ills that have happened in the world were because of them. 
They they actually admit this now, and they ha- it's sort of a way to me a demonic way of rubbing our noses in the facts, and that there's nothing we can do about it. And so by emplacing a Jesuit as Pope, and then again rubbing our faces in it and say, yeah, this guy's a Jesuit, you got to step back and ask, okay, why would they do that? And and who cares about the Jesuits? Because they've never, they haven't come out yet and said, okay, these are Jesuits. This is where we came from. This is what we've done over almost 500 years. And this is how we're relevant today. They haven't done that. It's because they don't care. Just such Jesuit, Jesuitical arrogance. And it kills me. But um, they're finally coming out of the closet and admitting a lot of things that they never had before that were previously unknown that they were secretive about. And this is why why I asked you the question, because it seems to me that they were they have always operated behind the scenes and by installing this Pope in front of everyone. Hey, we made it to the top. Now it's time for the end game. Now, another question. How does the Pope criticize our president for wanting a wall when the Vatican is surrounded by a wall? Why the hypocrisy? <laughs> well, it's, the Jesuits are, are, are all about hypocrisy. And, and it's really a, a, a funny game that they play. They'll remember if, because I know you read about the Jesuits, they're some of their tenets, black is white is black, uh, up is down, nothing is what it really seems. And with them, they have created this really fascinating, I admire them, really fascinating, I guess I could call it a, a junior high school level play, which has super high production value via Hollywood. And in this play, they, they create lots of tension, lots of drama. They, they, they create these characters that oppose each other, the Democrats and Republicans, um, um, the heterosexuals and gays, um, and, and so forth. And within all of these groups, they, they pick on each other, they put each other down, they castigate each other, and sometimes in such a comical way that you got to wonder, if, if these guys are in charge, why would they even bother pitting one group against the other? And why in such a, a theatrical fashion? Um, that in itself, Mel, is, is really a long-term conversation, and that could, that could take up hours. And again, the hypocrisy. I grew up a Catholic. I was an altar boy for 10 years, so I know the ins and outs, and thankfully nothing happened to me. Unfortunately, that happens to a lot of other people. Uh, yeah. But I have to say, when it comes to the commandments, for example, love others as you love thyself, but then you have the Jesuits behind the scenes labeling everyone, pitting everyone against each other. It's almost as if one group is saying one thing and then the other one makes the total opposite. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you have to recall this, and this is very important, the Ten Commandments of the Jesuits. And I remember reading this in a book uh, from 1679, and I have a copy of it, The Memoirs of Mr. James Wadsworth, a Jesuit that recanted. And th- these are fascinating. Just let me read these to you. To seek riches and wealth, to govern the world, to reform the clergy, to still be merry, to drink good wine, to correct texts 
of scriptures to receive all tithes, to make a slave of their ghostly child, to keep their own, and to live on another man's purse. Those are the commandments of the Jesuits, the Ten Commandments. That's That, that just blows me away. It's fascinating. On the section titled, How to Subjugate a Population, you say, the Jesuits and their extraterrestrial handlers are adept at infiltrating, breaking, and controlling a population via these simple actions. And I like to dissect each of the following. Demoralizing, destabilizing, orchestrating crisis after crisis, forcing legislation, and normalizing. Can you dissect each one of them, please? Sure, yeah. And, and for the book in general, um, when you demoralize, well, first of all, this these five were attributed to Soviet propaganda, and which is baloney because the, the this this is Jesuit propaganda, and I, I've seen these five steps over over hundreds of years or in in various books that date back hundreds of years. I wish I had been alive 500 years ago to see these things firsthand, so I wouldn't have to rely on. Uh, primary source materials. Nonetheless, so demoralizing, destabilizing, orchestrating crises and uh, forcing legislation and then normalizing the population. The first one, demoralizing the public, you you send out depressing news in big media, and we have a huge media out there that is so slick, that is that's such a huge Hollywood production, and that people trust and believe. Because the people like the uh, the Fareed Zakarias, Zakarias, and and uh, all these beautiful Fox News and NBC News, ABC News hosts, uh, they're just so believable. You and they speak so well. They never once flood their lines. You you just trust them. Nonetheless, they are inundating American and Americas with. Depressing news. So we get the pressing, depressing news in the mainstream media, <clears throat> and that coming from a trusted source, you got to wonder, okay, I can't get away from this trusted source unless I turn off the TV, but I don't want to do that because I don't want to miss anything. So people just keep getting depressed and depressed despite their wanting to sort of opt out of this. Um, so what else do we have? We have uh, low-income jobs. There's the uh, high unemployment, and I would never trust any statistics from the government. We do have very high unemployment, and we've been – and even though it was called the Great Recession some 10 years ago, it was the Great Depression. Oh, absolutely. I agree. Depression of, of all time. And so we have uh, ever more controlling laws that are much more intrusive year after year to all the citizens – uh, step two, there's destabilizing <clears throat> the population. And again, you're, you're pitting these groups, like I suggested before, the Democrats and Republicans, um, the uh, anti-abortion versus pro-choice and uh, the gun owners and the anti-guns and, and so forth. So you, when you divide a population, you immediately pit them against each other. And all you really have to do is put out a few news pieces and attribute them to one, and then the other immediately reacts. And so there's just a fight on your hands, and the result is a destabilization, destabilization of that population. 
of the culture, and it, it's devastating. And we, we're well into that. Actually, we surpassed that. Number three is orchestrating crisis after crisis. And we have these false flag attacks. And these are God, these are really spectacular attacks. And, and I, I'm not making light of those. When I say spectacular, they are such the wonderful high production value Hollywood productions that are so involved. They cost millions of dollars. They're, they involve hundreds of actors, these crisis actors, and they're, they're so believable. We also have um, these various little wars. We've been in one for, what, the past 17 or so years, a war over in the Middle East. What about the entire time as a country? Afghanistan. and I'm sorry, what? What about the entire time history as a country? We've been at war 90-some percent of our history. Yes, yeah. And, it, and of course, what's the end result? What happens when a war is, is ended? Because it never really ends. It never really ends. We're, we always seem to be at war. And if you look even deeper, like I said, you've got um, the, <clears throat> the various groups that are pitted against each other. And, and that happens even more each day. Uh, we also have the global wars, as I mentioned, and um, there was the Great Depression. There was the war on terror, the 9-11 attacks. Even though those were these false flag attacks from, geez, uh, 17 years already. Um, and then we've got the illegal attacks on, on nations like Afghanistan and Iraq. Um, it's it, And as I wrote in the book, it, it culminates in this forced occupation of those countries and the subjugation of their, their people. Uh, number four is forcing a legislation. And th- that's probably one of the most important items because it re- remo- and it, at the same time, it's hypocritical. And I'll get into that in a moment. It removes basic constitutional rights. Now, I had written about that, but I didn't really get into which constitution we're talking about here because there were two U.S. constitutions. One was one, let's see, 1790. It was first written by Jesuits, by the way, in 1787, then ratified in 1790. And that's called by many the organic U.S. Constitution. And then there's another one from 1871. The, and that's with the U.S. of, or United States of America, Inc. So that is, Behold, we're beholden to the corporation. Nonetheless, we're still being stripped of these rights, constitutional rights, which are actually an illusion. And, uh, you know, even that, Mel, is th- that, that could be a two hour conversation. Everything around us is really an illusion, especially in, and if you believe my hypothesis about the founding and building of America. Our founding fathers were Jesuits or Jesuit controlled. To me, that's an, an absolute fact. However, to be fair, then uh, I'll call it hypothesis. So these are the folks who allegedly wrote the, uh, our, our constitution. Are, are, are we to believe them? Are we to follow them? Well, almost everyone does. And it's because it's that propaganda has been handed down and, and written and taught in schools and history and civics classes, which don't even exist anymore. So we just believe that and we take it for granted. 
Okay, so the we, we have the the basic rights that are that are being dis, pretty much distilled down to nothing, and we have these other acts and laws that are instituted that further strip us of rights. And it, as I said, even years ago, that there was the Patriot Act and the uh, NDAA. And gosh, there were so many, I, I can't even recall. Um, the final one is, which we're in right now, the final stage is normalizing a population. And that allows those in power to, to bring the public under their sphere of influence. That means that they have fulfilled at least to about an 80% mark their goals in steps one through four. And the majority of the population can now be brought under their, their control. And it doesn't matter whether people are complaining. <clears throat> and I have a term for that. It's the uh, complain, comply behavior of, of people, especially here in America. And it means that, that people will complain about this Jesuit crap, but they still comply. They'll still they'll complain about taxes, harmful food, tainted water, sleazy politicians, and they'll forget about that issue and move on to the next one. They complain about a lot of things, but they still do what they're told. So in normalizing the population, we have a, in America, we have a bunch of people who protest here and there against this regime, yet they, they still comply. There's you don't see anyone storming the Jesuit Curia in Rome or wherever their headquarters are. You don't see anyone pulling them out back by the woodpile and hanging them until they're dead. You don't see anything like that. If anyone complains, and this has to do with the uh, complain, comply behavior, they, they target the public faces of the Jesuits, like members of Congress, the the current U.S. president, the cartoon president, and people who are in the public eye. So this, wow, we're already we're already being normalized, or we already have been. But let me ask you, I apologize for interjecting, but normalizing. When I see what things are being normalized, I think the Catholic Church on one side was totally pro-life, but then you have. You, the normalization of right now, before being pro-choice was first trimester. Now it's morphing into the extreme. A minute before the baby's born, it's okay to abort. In fact, they want to do it when the mother is dilating. Yeah. And they want a genderless society. All those things. Are they also coming from the Jesuits? And if so, again, we go to the the hypocrisy. If you have the Catholic Church preaching one thing— and you have them doing the exact opposite. Why? Um, good, good question. And I think the simple answer is because they can. And if you recall the Ten Commandments of the Jesuits, Mel, compare that or contrast that with the Ten Commandments that some Roman power or even their handlers and ET handler forced upon us a thousand, maybe two thousand years ago. They are... <clears throat> Again, the, these Jesuits, to seek riches and wealth, um, geez, how, how absolutely selfish is that? And to drink good wine. The, these guys are some of the biggest drunks and drug addicts. They are um, fanatical rapists. 
of both males and females, young and old. They make slaves of people. I mean, geez, look at a trillion dollar a year industry of human trafficking, slavery, sex trafficking, um, and, and to be merry. These guys are laughing at us. They, ha they have one grand party, and yet they give us an entirely different set of commandments to live by so that we are so well controlled and under their control that it, it's, it's laughable. There's a, a, a pornographic company in Germany, I believe, the largest one, and I heard that the Vatican owns it. Have you heard that too? I'm not surprised the answer is no, though, because the, there are many trillion-dollar-a-year industries out there, and there's, um, <clears throat> I just call it guns, drugs, and pussy, <laughs> with all due respect. So the arms, the arms trade, that, that's, that's all Jesuit. Everything, anything important in the world that makes a lot of money, it, it is absolute 100% Jesuit. There's the, uh, the arms trade, um, the, the illegal drug trade, and, of course, human trafficking in the sex trade. Yes, it's, it's all Jesuit. And what, what's really fascinating, when you read the, these old, some of these ancient and rare books about the Jesuits by people who, who very, very brave people who witnessed this, and this is not just in America, young America, but in France, in, in UK, various countries, the three countries, the UK, um, Africa, uh, China, all these, they all said the same thing. And they, they talk about these, the horrible Jesuits. So yeah, it's, it, it's fascinating to read, but you have to read over or read these books that go back hundreds of years to really see the patterns of behavior and know definitively, even though I will say, okay, it's my hypothesis that the Jesuits run the world. However, it resonates right down to my DNA and I personally know it's fact. And by the way, if anybody's saying, oh, Mel, you need to substantiate your claims whenever you say something like this, because I get a, we have a lot of Catholic and Christians who listen to this program. So let me substantiate this for you. From The Independent, this is from 2011, I remember reading the news back then. Germany's biggest Catholic-owned publishing house has been rocked by disclosures that it has been selling thousands of pornographic novels with titles such as Slot's Boarding School and Lawyer's <laughs> Whore, with the full assets... Pardon? In Bertelsmann? <laughs> with the full assets of the country's leading bishops. The revelation made it in the publishing industry newsletter, a Butch Report, concerned Weltbild, a company with an annual 1.7 billion euro turnover and 6,400 employees. It is Germany's largest bookseller after Amazon and wholly owned by the Catholic Church. There you have it. Well, uh, it's inaccurate because it's not the Catholic Church, but it, it, it's, it's a Jesuit organization. As a country, would, would we say the Vatican, since that is what it is, or the Holy See? Uh, see, the Vatican was a Here's where things get a little muddy. We got to ask, okay, have the Jesuits really been around only since around 1540? I, I say the answer is uh, probably yes. And because all the books that I've read about them and the translations I've read about them or the tr translations I commissioned and read about them say the same thing, that there was a new group of people at around 1540 that was – 
absolutely rabid and passionate about subjugating every single person on the planet, sending out thousands, no, not thousands, I'm sorry, hundreds of so-called missionaries, they were Jesuits, to every country that they could reach. And, I mean, isn't that fascinating? <laughs> isn't that, that just blow you away? Don't the Mormons do the same thing? No, not 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 even close. <laughs> not even not even close. And and Mormons are they're really Jesuits anyway. All Jesuit controlled. Uh, they were designed by the Jesuits. And <clears throat> if you if you study deeply the history in in general of of religion, especially over the past uh, say five hundred years in during the realm of the Jesuits, you'll see that the Jesuits have in an attempt to, again, destabilize a population, invented these, these other religions or offshoots. Well, let me ask you this then, because we keep talking about extraterrestrials and I've discussed how there are certain religions that have a, an extraterrestrial connotation. I know the Mormons discuss it freely. And yeah. then you have Scientology. Is yeah. there a correlation between the Jesuits and Scientology? I don't know. It's, it's interesting to note. Um, I, I'd love to know, and I, I, I actually have lived very close to Clearwater, Florida, where the, oh, is the headquarters yeah. of Scientology. And I, I, it's the creepiest place I've ever been to in my life. <laughs> it's, it's a Stepford community. So the, uh, the answer is I don't know. I, I, I can make some guesses, but um, I, I don't want to be criticized by uh, just making some opinions, and even though it may be informed opinions, uh, I'd rather kind of stick with the facts or, or what I know, please. That's fine. I wonder if they found Miss Cavage's wife. Oh, yeah. No, she's, she's been gone for years, and the I think the party line was um, she was just uh, exhausted and, <laughs> and wanted to go do some personal things. So they haven't found her? No, as far as I know, no. Huh, okay. Well, here's another one. There's this famous quote, and it's not by Voltaire, folks, as most people think. To determine the true rulers of any society, all you must do is ask yourself this question. Who is that I'm not permitted to criticize? Don't quote. And, you know, Dean, yeah. I can criticize the Jesuits all I want, and all yeah. seems to be okay. But when I criticize another group, the Zionist supremacists, like the Rothschilds, that's when the censorship starts. I have... And I've seen the the Pope almost kneel in front of the Rothschilds. So who's really on top? Well, you have to look at it this way, <clears throat> that there is a public face that the Jesuits want to portray. And they, because black is white and up is down, they are not going to project what's really going on in the background. They, they I'm, I'm sure they never would. So that's the simple answer to that. By the way, I would not last a minute in any bigger outfit out there discussing what I just said. We, we, we can, laws were instituted uh, so that you would not criticize Jews. And historically, Jews were money changers, yes, and uh, I've seen that in just about all the books that I, I have read, the old old history books, uh, all corroborate that. Um, the Jews there are or have been protected exactly why, I don't know, there are 
historians, I think uh, uh, alternative historians will argue against that. And of course, the mainstream historians would dismiss me, dismiss that thought outright. But um, anytime that you cannot criticize a group or a religion or um, some project or action or behavior, then I would say in the very least, look into it a little bit further and try to figure out who controls them, because that's the underlying power. And if you look at who controls all of these that cannot, these uh, groups, religions that cannot be spoken against, I have always found the Jesuits to be the ones behind the black curtain. Always. And let me just follow up on what we're talking about. And I will lean into this conflict because I really do not criticize Jews. I really don't. I have family, mm-hmm. I have Jewish family and friends, and they know where I stand. But yeah. I will lean into discomfort for a moment. And I remember after our last discussion years ago, someone yeah. wrote to me, Dean, and I vaguely remember the, the exact message, but the gist of it, what he actually asked, something like this. He said, he asked, how come some someone who talks about the Jesuits or the Vatican isn't attacked as someone who even utters the word Zionist? And they're yep. immediately labeled anti-Semitic. And I have to say, I agree with that yep. listener. I'm not anti-Semitic, like I said, but if research of our history, you know, I researched the yep. history, the world wars, the, the region yep. of Khazaria, Israel, and for the mere fact of asking questions, I'm immediately criticized. Why doesn't the hammer fall as hard when someone talks about the Vatican or the Jesuits? Could the Jesuits be the proverbial fall guy to protect the real group who's behind the moral decadence? Hollywood, you know, the media, uh, finance, uh, and many of our government representatives who hold dual citizenship. And again, I'm not attacking, I'm asking an honest question. Yeah, no, I understand. Uh, Well, first, all of the research I've done, even the anecdotal research, since I was a boy, because I, I was, I went to a Catholic school when I was um, in third grade, and I witnessed the Jesuit priest raping a nun. That was the first time that I had actually seen a Jesuit, and I didn't understand it until years later. But I know what I saw. I know what I witnessed. So ever since then, and geez, I'm 59 years old now. So that's. You know, like 52 years ago, and I was in a Catholic uh, military school in San Antonio, Texas. Ever since then, I've been fascinated by the Jesuits and how they do what they do, how long they've done it, and whom they involve. So it, and I don't think I articulated this in our last conversation, but I greatly admire them and I respect them. I don't like them. I don't like what they do, but I've come to know them much better by respecting them more and by reminding myself, this is a very powerful and very thoughtful and thinking entity. And so they deserve, they deserve lots of credit and they deserve our study. Now you would ask before, so why, why, if we criticize the Jesuits, um, why are we not say, strung up or (laughs) killed, murdered. The fact is a lot of people are, and they have been over hundreds of years. 
if a if a leader speaks out and that leader has an has enough of a following such that if he or she spoke out it would and it would bring their followers to a tipping point that would beyond which that would harm the Jesuits or the Jesuit agenda in any way, that person would probably be murdered. Nowadays, maybe frightened off, maybe paid off, but the easiest thing is just kill them. Someone like me, I'm a nobody. I said that to you six years and two months ago, and I'll tell you again, I'm a nobody. I don't have a following. I put out information that is what I have said before. It's 100% accurate. What I have... And I, I stand behind it. So, again, how do you get away with, say, talking about or criticizing the Jesuits without being harmed? And, again, if you, if you have a following, I do not. I'm a nobody. If, if you have a following that somehow brings or causes some harm to a Jesuit agenda, then they will act against that person. And they have murdered many in, in the past many people who have spoken out against them. So you can talk about the Jesuits, but the fact is when you mention Jesuits, most people in America, they'll say, huh, what? Who's that? So they aren't even on Americans' radar. You talk about Jews. You talk about maybe Mormons. You you talk about uh, maybe the so-called deep state, (laughs) anything that's in the limelight um, is it's not a joke. It pro- there's pro- probably a lot of truth to it, but the fact is, it's not what's really going on in the background. So again, you can't you can talk about the Jesuits all you want, probably because they know that no one really knows about them, and that's why they feel comfortable by putting out a pope who is a Jesuit or talking about how many of the people in government, they were trained at Jesuit universities. Right. And so they're, they're, the Jesuits are, are coming out and labeling themselves as the guys behind the black curtain. With uh, Again, what I said like uh, 20 minutes ago is that they haven't come out and said, okay, this is who we really are. This is what we've done. This is what we're doing now. They're just putting the name out there right now. And that's just a seed. That's just to get people used to the term Jesuits. But you see, I have plenty of friends who went to school in all-male schools, Jesuit schools, and they're attorneys, doctors, very successful people. And if I tell them this, they'll say, my experience was very positive. Where are you coming from? You know, where is all this information coming from? (laughs) Exactly. You know, my brother went to a Jesuit high school, and I knew one of his teachers Brother Don, great guy. I loved it. And so did my brother. And my brother was never molested or harmed by anyone. When I was at that uh, Jesuit Military Academy, Mount Sacred Heart Military Academy <laughs> in uh, San Antonio, no one ever – well, they I got slapped a couple of times. Um, but no one did what the stereotypical um, – seducer does nowadays and rapes young men and young or young boys and young girls. No, that never happened either. For the most part, it's not going to, you're not going to hear about those. I'm sorry. I misspoke. For the most part, the Jesuits don't make it a a public habit of um, 
harming a population uh, sexually um, and physically like that. They pick certain people, a small percentage, and according to one of their Ten Commandments, they, they drink good wine, they make a slave of the, their ghostly child, and they live on another man's purse. So I think it's a very, very small percentage. And when we hear about it, especially in the Catholic Church nowadays, and remember, the Catholic Church is really the Jesuit Church. But when we hear about it nowadays, it's under the label of the Catholic Church. It's, it's still a very, very small percentage of any population that sub that is subject to the see these, these sexual whims of these priests. Are you saying that what really happens happens beyond? If we had to equate the Jesuits with Freemasonry, for example, yeah, things, yeah. I know Freemasons and they're nice people. But once you get to be a thirty third degree Mason and and beyond, that's when things start happening. Is this the yes. same with the Jesuits? Yes, absolutely. And when you're at the smallest, the lowest level of, say, uh, the Jesuit fellowship, then you don't really see much or know much. You only you only see what what that level of leadership wants you to know. And so even people who are in maybe the highest levels of U.S. government, they don't realize the true extent of Jesuit actions and behaviors because they're on a need to know basis. So when they act, when they say what their Jesuit handler tells them to say or to do, that, that that's all they know. They, they don't necessarily know, say the five steps or the five stages of subjugating a country from demoralizing to normalizing a population or they don't know about the um, <clears throat> the so-called problem reaction solution scenario which is Jesuits you know I call it attack response subjugation they don't know about that or they don't know the dangers of the terms conspiracy theory um, they, they don't know about some of these really really deep facts about the Jesuits and their behaviors over the past few hundred years because They have spent their time just being taught and just being indoctrinated with what the Jesuits wanted. Interesting. Now, let's go back. I forgot to ask you at the beginning of the interview. We discussed briefly what happened in the last six years, but worldwide, what has happened in the world since we first talked more than six years ago? Here, I'm just going to go through some of these bullet points, if you don't mind, Mel. Um, sure. Advertising to children under the age of seven. I mean, that, that has just exploded. And it, it really shows the Jesuit maxim in full force. And it's, quote, give me a child for its first seven years and I'll give you a man. Right. End quote. That, and the first seven years of a child's neural and, and behavioral development is it's the most critical in her his life. And because children don't know advertising from reality. So the Jesuits have uh, stolen our children. And that, that's one. Uh, another one. The Internet is the new Jesuit confessional. I think it's more powerful and efficacious than anything's in any type of iteration that we, we've seen in the past. 
And it's a fantastic means for the Jesuits to collect all kinds of information from us. And, you know, it comes from a seemingly innocuous document called the Terms of Use Agreements. Now, wait a second. And I apologize, but I'll I'll keep jumping like this because what you're saying is very important. The confessional. I read that in your book and I thought it was fascinating to say. At the same time, I remember during confession, you go into the, you know, inside and you talk to the priest and all that good stuff, but you need ears. Are you saying that the ears, the NSA and whoever's listening is under the Jesuit umbrella too? Oh, absolutely. Everything is. Everything is. There's there's no doubt. And that's not just hypothesis. (laughs) That's what I had said before. It's silly, but it's the dirty, nasty, stinky, rotten, accurate truth. Absolutely. See, we haven't talked about this, but it's in romantic depression that um, – let me just um, let me go off on a tangent for a minute. Romantic depression, I, I wrote the the first draft, which was uh, 50, 5-0, 50 chapters uh, a few years ago. And I took to heart – and the reason why is because I took to heart something that uh, a, quite, uh, a person had asked on one of the interviews that I had done about six, seven years ago. <clears throat> They said, um, okay, you're telling us that uh, the Jesuits have um, changed or manipulated uh, the sectors of society. Take one and and prove it. And so I wrote a book that took 50, not 40, not 60, but 50 sectors of society in America, and I, I proved it. So I, I took I, – I had a lengthy manuscript, and one of – one of my uh, followers, wonderful guy who's since become a great friend, Bruce, you know Bruce, who heard me on your show. This is very special to me. But he heard me on your show. He and I eventually got together, and and, and we've since uh, socialized. We're, we're we're great friends. I I said I invited him to flesh out. Well, we we, t- we agreed on ten chapters for the first book, which is romantic depression, and um, and then he fleshed out those ten chapters, and so we came up with with something to again to prove that the Jesuits have in fact designed, built, and destroyed is a little harsh. I pre- I, I it's kind of I think it's a little reactionary and. It's more accurate to say that they have reduced all of our sectors of society to what I term a fail maintenance mode that's bringing everything down to almost the lowest possible point without actually failing. And if you look at any sector of society, especially like education, I mean, it's just in shambles. Um, so the, the, the book explains that even further. And it's all, and I'm sorry to say it's only these 10 sectors that that I chose for the first book or that Bruce and I chose. So, uh, God, there's so much more <laughs> to talk about there. And, you know, I get so excited about this because I love the subject, even though it's it's somewhat depressing, Mel. So you're going to have to bring me back <laughs> to the point uh, that we were originally talking about sometimes. Well, you know, what happened in the world in the last six years, basically. Yeah. And yeah, thanks. And um, so the internet, the new confessional. Yeah. And 
another point, dismissing legitimate or so-called alternative news by calling it fake news. Fake news. And not only that, by having this, this legion of soldiers that suppress alternative news, anything that runs counter to a Jesuit agenda. And that, that blows me away, too. So there's fake news and there's fact-checking, <laughs> which I think is funny, especially when you when it's being checked on various websites, uh, news aggregates by amateurs like Snopes, N-O-P-E-S, S-N-O-P-E-S dot com. And we, we now have social media sites that have fact-checking sections. And so this is a Jesuit way of steering people or sh- suggesting to them very gently but strongly steer away from A, but here, consider B, because this is important to us. So we have the um, dismissing the God, legitimate news by, by people like us. And something that I, <clears throat> it's very, very recent that I am fascinated with, it's the deep fake, it's one word, D-E-E-P-F-A-K-E, deep fake audio and vision and video. You, you probably read about it recently, yes? Yes. Yeah, d- deep fake video. Gosh, now, I mean, literally anything can be faked or distorted and, and then just put on a new site. And that, that's actually been around for, for decades. But it's only recently that the Jesuits have just put it out there and they're saying, here, this is a possibility. But guess what? Behind the scenes... That's what actually happens. Well, you've and seen you've seen uh, back in during nine eleven. You remember those pictures of the alleged yeah. uh, terrorists, and some of them were saying, "Wait a second, that's me, and I'm not a terrorist." And that happened again. <laughs> and the shootings and the school shootings. A lot of the kids were still alive, and so on. Hey, even the challenger, the challenger disaster, and challenger exactly. But They're now, alive. <laughs> now there's uh, apparently this software that morphs people's pictures and it creates a new person. And if they have to use, you know, oh, we killed 50 people in a bomb and it was a terrorist and they put yep. 50 pictures, you can never trace who the original person is because they don't exist. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> exactly. And you, you would have to be uh, one heck of a sleuth because there are certain things that you really can't fake unless you put someone else's face and head and ears and chin on another body. But so it, it's making it, the Jesuits have made it much, much tougher, if not impossible, for us to track their movements. Right. What about GAFA, Google, Apple, Facebook, and Amazon? Are they also umbrellas or is the Jesuit an umbrella of these institutions too? Yes, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. And if you look at how they were founded, first, the, the, and I love this subject because I know a lot of these guys, CIA and, and before them, OSS, Office of Strategic Services. Um, I, I, I actually, when I was in high school, I worked for an ex OSS guy. He was a Jedberg and he parachuted into behind the lines of, before D-Day and World War II, I became fascinated by those guys. And then so I I started studying their history anecdotally. And then CIA, because, uh, geez, CIA can get away with (laughs) anything. But they're a public face. See, the 
there is, there is, or there are many, many different organizations, black organizations, far superior, far deadlier, far more sinister than NSA or CIA. The, the CIA, the three-letter agencies that we know of are just the public face, but there is something far deeper and darker uh, behind the black curtain, behind the scenes that we're not going to know or learn about in our lifetime, say in the next 25, 50 years. And doesn't that scare you? <laughs> it's, it's important to know it. I don't want people to, yeah. to be in fear, but at least you to understand. And going back yeah. to the fake news, you see yeah. them, you see CNN, you see yeah. all these, and they say, oh, so-and-so is fake news. But all they do all day long, a lot of their information is fake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, but as I said earlier, people trust CNN and Fox News and ABC, NBC. They trust them. So they swallow it hook, line and sinker. And when I've talked to Americans about certain events that have occurred over the past, say, six or so years, six, 10 years, They defend, they argue against what I say. And they said, I saw it. And I say, where'd you hear that or see it? They said, I got it on CNN. <laughs> yeah, so almost uh, Americans are, are, and I hate using the term, but it's, it's kind of that brainwashed. Well, you mentioned Snopes, even in yeah. the alternative community, which yes. is awake to the fact that, oh, don't listen to CNN or Fox. They still claim, oh, but Snopes says it's false. Well, and they still it, believe it. <laughs> yeah. Well, Snopes was started by, uh, I think, a mom and pop. A couple. Uh, a, a liberal couple. Yeah. And then and then it was it was sold to somebody else. Um, they, they got bought out. And so it's turned into, well, I see it as a joke, but people actually trust it. So it's Wikipedia. Same thing. Oh, Wikipedia says this and that. Forget about Encyclopedia Britannica. Just now we have Wikipedia, which anybody can edit and alter. But I remember a long conversation I had with uh, the late Jim Mars about the media. In 1983, 90% of the American media was owned by 50 independent companies. Now 90, 90% is owned by only six. Com Comcast. Hold on, Comcast, News Corp, Walt Disney, Viacom, yeah, yeah. Time Warner, and CBS Corp. And to me, they're all echo chamber, chambers of the political parties. Less and yeah. less, Dean, can people think for themselves when most information comes from just a few sources who pretty much say the same. Yeah, well, people don't think for themselves. I say it respectfully. They, they don't have time. They have too many distractions. It's it's their family. They have uh, they have work. They have... Um, True. Uh, TV. <laughs> they've got they've got some beer and wine and bread and circus and partying and their friends and going out. They don't have time to to do this, so they have to get their information. They have to be told what to do from a trusted source. And unfortunately, all these trusted sources, from what I see, are are false. They're false opposition. They're fake. They are Jesuitical. Yeah, I remember at one point growing up, if my, my mom was too busy that day, there were, there were five siblings, she had to put some TV, di TV dinners because it was convenient once in a blue moon. <laughs> yeah. But it's the same thing with the news. People yeah. don't want to go out there and research and go to the library. They just want to turn on the time. TV. Yeah, exactly. No time. There's no time. There, there, you, I, I sat down. <clears throat> uh, where was I? 
it was shortly after you had asked me for talking points. And so I had sat down and I think I had listed a lot of the things. Let me, let me just see if I can and find it again. Now that, no, no, no. Okay, I, I can't find it right now, but I, I found a bunch of talking points that I had written down that reflect or that show a person's typical day. And actually, I do want to find it, and I'm going to do that. Even if I look like an idiot right now, I don't care because I'm going to find this thing. The top, that one, no, no, not that. Uh, that no, not that. Oh, here we go. <clears throat> uh, let's see, poisons. Okay, like on a typical day. So you wake up in the morning. You you uh, you take in that bad air at home, the low humidity, lots of dust. Um, you're washing your your. Um, your eyes, ears, and the skin with the bad water, showers, and all that, uh, bad toothpaste, processed food, and <laughs> hand creams, and drinking from plastic containers with BPA and all these other carcinogens. And you're paying it, you're watching TV, you're listening to the news on your, your iPad or, or iPhone. And, and that's only at breakfast. <laughs> that's only at breakfast, man. People, and you haven't, and then you repeat that at lunch and then at dinner and then you take a shower and then you rinse repeat later on. Where is it in there that you actually have time to do any research like I had suggested even six, seven years ago? Spend 100 hours reading about the Jesuits and here are some books. People don't have – they castigated me. They, I got some nasty emails and voicemails from people saying, we don't have time for this. 100 hours? Are you kidding me? No one has time to, to research this. So can you simplify it? And I, I, and I was thinking, well, how do you do that? And I think one way is to listen to, to programs like yours. So bless you. Well, thank you for saying that because I was having a chat with my daughter the other day. And I said, you know, we need to start thinking for ourselves. And we need to forget about this low attention span that they want to basically brainwash, brainwash you so that when you turn on the TV, if you yeah. see the six o'clock news, boom, 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 boom. There's no time. I remember as a child watching the news. Yeah, it was a little bit boring, but the person was reading, oh, in today's news, but it's like that. And it's very important for people to understand that they are doing this. It's an orchestrated effort to make people dumb down. As you know, yeah. the, the IQ in the United States, you know what the average is? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I'll say 32. 84. <laughs> yeah, that's, and oh, that, that breaks my heart because humans are designed to be thinkers, to figure stuff out. We, we are. However, we've been dumbed down. There's the dumbing down of education and the dumbing down of just about every other thing that we, we can think about. And, and that it, I think it brings us to a couple of other points and bullet points on uh, what's happened over like the past six years. And uh, I think if we get back into this, it, it'll explain some things. Um, gathering data from anyone with a smartphone and computer is probably one of the most sinister things. And people don't realize that. And, and it hurts me because uh, the data are, are used for, for so many different things that we don't even know about yet. Now, the Jesuits will allow people to to complain, but eventually, like I said, complain, comply behavior. People will 
you know, moan about it, but they'll eventually do whatever they say. And you mentioned Facebook and Google, that <clears throat> they're just as, as guilty as anybody else uh, about that. And, and even over the past six years, what I've seen too is that Facebook and Google have been, have ramped up their, as influencers in public policy and societal standards and morals and everything. And that scares me, too, because it tells me that people are spending entirely too much on Facebook and Google is entirely too intrusive. But isn't, it, isn't it interesting? Have you seen the same thing? Isn't it interesting that the moment, well, this is 2006, seven, I don't remember exactly, but at one point there were congressional hearings where the intelligence apparatus of the United States asked Congress to allow them to compile data without citizens knowing about it. And they said no. You can't do that. Immediately <laughs> after, what do we get? Facebook. And how? Because we voluntarily provide that information. So to me, when people say, I cannot believe that Facebook is selling my information or this and that and Google, come on now. You think Gmail is going to be free? There's yeah. no such thing as a free lunch. Well, okay. I, I get that. Now you have to ask yourself, how is it that people don't understand what they're giving away? My, my, my response is, and it's, it's very simple. I think it's accurate. People, people really don't care. They want to be entertained. So they will sign any terms of agreement, any terms of use. They will check the box without reading the fine print just so they can use WhatsApp and Facebook. Dopamine. And, and it's the Google. dopamine. Dopamine. They need the dopamine <laughs> so they don't care about signing anything. Yeah, man. They, they just want to fix and with the high, and it works, and the Jesuits know that. And th that's exactly how these, that the Jesuits can gather information uh, just using smartphone or computer, and how Facebook and Google can easily influence public policy and, and everything under the sun, and it just, it drives me crazy. So you gotta ask yourself, so where are we going with that? And another bullet point might um, suggest where we are. As I wrote, uh, the trends today are toward a one of everything, a, a single government, a, a one online store, Amazon, a one smartphone, iPhone, a one search engine, Google, a one internet provider, Google, Google Fiber. And it's the slow con uh, consolidation of, of many industries since the 1880s and it's approaching, again, a one of everything. And it narrows our choices and it kind of forces us to choose from a very, very short list of options. And unfortunately, almost all of those are harmful to us. And most recently, there was the 10-year challenge where people were posting a picture, a photograph of 10, you know, 10 years ago and oh, one yeah. from now. And oh. one person posted a meme saying, Facebook, thank you for updating our face recognition technology voluntarily. Exactly. God, people just love that stuff. Well, we have and to take our one and only intermission and we can bring it back after we come back. We have a lot of things to talk about. We're just scratching the surface. But again, how can people buy the new book, Roman, uh, Romantic Depression, and your, all your other books? Give us your websites and so on, which are linked at ours too, by the way. Okay, yeah, you know, you know, I don't know the links anymore. <laughs> That's why I sent them all to you. So sure, they're there. They're on, they're on the page for for this wonderful interview. Thank you so much, Mel. And um, 
um, romantic depression. If, if 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 I if I felt if Bruce and I felt that a lot of people were really interested in this, we come out with the next volume because there are 50 sectors of society, and we only touched upon two. That's incredible. And by the way, I really enjoyed the book. You guys did a great job. Thank you. It's uh, how can I explain? As doing this for 10 years, you keep opening doors, opening doors, and I love it when people that I interview converge with our listeners and they make it even bigger afterwards and opening more doors for me. I, I think I know less now than I thought I did 10 years ago. And I think we're on the right track with that. But folks, don't go anywhere. I'm here with William Garner. One more hour when we come back. This is Mel Fabregas, and you are listening to Veritas. See you in the member section. Thank you for listening to the first part of this very important Veritas interview. To listen to the rest and all of our material, proceed to the members section or subscribe at VeritasRadio.com. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for MMS, hemp oil, pure organic sulfur, and other great products. Thank you. <laughs>